this is Pastor Brad Burke-Falk, and I'm here with Chet Hansen. He is a member of Hillcrest Church, and we are interviewing him for our Our Stories segment, a new podcast here at Hillcrest Covenant Church. And Chet, thank you for being with us. And I would like to simply begin by asking you to uh, uh, start from the beginning, wherever that may uh, be for you. Well, the beginning was birth. <laughs> I was uh, born into a, a very poor family at the end of the Depression. Uh, we lived in a tent for the first year of my life. And uh, my mother died when I was four. And I went into foster care and spent my life in, mostly in foster care. So I had a string of things happen that kind of got me into a wrong path because I didn't see any really clear examples of what a family should be. And I wound up getting married twice. Uh, I wound up being having being a singer for the purpose of, of finding cute girls primarily and uh, making a living secondarily. Um, and I, I experienced some pretty good success. And then my second wife asked me to quit that. So I did. And the only thing I knew, though, was, was music and goofing around and entertainment. So I started a talent agency, which uh, God had given me a certain amount of talent, and I could recognize talent. And I recruited people like Steve Martin when he was still a kid and, and built him. And uh, we did a good job with him. George Carlin came on, and we had him and a number of great singer-songwriters. And I went from that little tent to uh, the top floor of a Beverly Hills high-rise. But unfortunately, I did not have God with me. And so I was a mess, literally, truly a mess. My second marriage was falling completely apart. And uh, my sister started praying for me. And with that prayer, uh, which was consistent, <laughs> things started happening in my life. The first thing I was listening to a stack of records. Uh, one of them was by a man who was singing. He'd had a big hit before, but this was a song that just grabbed my attention because it said, I woke up this morning and I saw your face and I'm wondering what I'm going to do. You've been gone so long, but your likeness remains. I think it's sad, but it's true. I want to be a part of you, lady. I want to know the heart of you. And in that early years of foster home, I got so lonely, I invented an imaginary friend. It was a young girl. And I'd forgotten all about her. But when I heard those words, her face came back to me. And I thought, my goodness, here I am 35 years old. And the only person that's ever known the heart of me like the song says, was an imaginary friend. Chad, talk a little bit about how someone who um, achieves the kind of success that you described early in your life, how, how is it that at that place in your experience, you find yourself um, in a place uh, of need for something more? Can you talk a little bit more about Sure. That? Well, first of all, the way I found my way to the top was very much described in two words, Forrest Gump. I mean, I just said, no. Okay. <laughs> but I have to finish that story yeah. because that little girl I, I, who I saw as a child, I, I just felt so at peace with her and so content with her as a child. I, I thought as an adult, when I see that little young face, what would she look like as an adult? And I saw her. God let me see her. And I gave myself permission, or maybe God gave me permission, to look for her. And a year and a half later, as we were doing a big outdoor show in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as I'm walking up the stairs, 
she came down and I recognized her instantly and I kind of scared her. I said, you're not going to go for this at first, <laughs> but you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives together. And uh, she told me she had a boyfriend. I said, I didn't expect you not to, but here's my card. Know that I'm deadly serious. Two years later, I got a phone call. Do you, do you still think about me? Every day. And uh, we, uh, I went and got her. She lived here in Kansas. I lived in Beverly Hills and came and got her. Brought her out to California, married her. And uh, because I finally found one woman through God that I love more than all other women, I was finally able to be a decent husband. And then little by little, she taught me and God taught me and the word taught me how to be a good husband. When I had that solid base, my sons, who I had two sons by this time, they, they came to live with us and she helped, helped them grow. And together, uh, we, we, just, we had a series of things, Brad. I mean, we don't have time to go through all of it. But Jeff Pollard, who at that time was the lead singer of a group called LaRue, which was a band signed to Capitol, and they sure was going to go through the roof. He, would, he resigned from that band and became a Baptist minister. And he's the one that led me to the Lord uh, in the middle of nowhere, you know. So all of these things, I just want to say to those people that think, you know, I have been too sinful to ever be forgiven. I must confess I've broken every one of the Ten Commandments if you count helping girls find a way to Mexico uh, in the early days to get an abortion. So murder is, is on my agenda. Putting other guys before me, I did that all the time. Uh, and so all the things that you can do wrong, I did them. And God still didn't let go. He kept sending me little people to talk to. And if you'll listen, if you'll listen, when God sent you someone, open your mind, open your heart. What's here? I don't care where you've been. There's much more to life. And then life is just the beginning. Then there's eternity. And you want to get that right. Now, I, I can say this with a great deal of wisdom because I'm 80. <laughs> you look pretty good for an 80-year-old, by the way. Well, you look good for an 80-year-old, too. Thank you. <laughs> what are you, 44? <laughs> so around there. <laughs> so, um, and since that time, <clears throat> I've been married now for over 40 years. I still get as excited about my wife uh, and seeing her and being in her company as I did the first day I met her, the second day or the 20th day. And unfortunately, uh, she feels the same way. We just we just love each other. We know that, that God gave us each other. Her life was a mess too. But together we found the Lord and together we found joy. And lately, the Lord has been filling me with poems. And if you don't mind, I'd like to share. I have a book full. I won't share them all. Okay, yeah. We'd, I'd love to hear poems. Can you... Um, can you can you give us a little setup about the poem before you read sure. the poem? Kathy was driving, and I was in the passenger seat just looking out the windshield at the scenery, and my eyes caught the clouds, and they were very, very large and very, very white, just beautiful, magnificent clouds, and behind them were perfectly blue skies. And I thought, you know, the Bible is right. Man is without excuse. God has made himself known by what he has made. How can you see this? and not see that there's a creator. And so I came home and wrote this. If all we had were large white clouds and skies of blue behind, 
And there were no other sides of glory to remind that there is but one creator beyond the reaches of our mind. It would truly be enough. But of course, we hardly notice a simple thing like a cloud, for there are so many wonders clouds are lost in the crowd. Why, you may wonder, are we so magnificently endowed with such wondrous stuff? It's because this God is our Father, and His love knows no bounds. He delights in filling our universe with gloria, sights, and sounds. He left man no excuse for what He has made surrounds. But what he expects from us is tough. We're free to choose, and though he knew that we would surely sin, he had in mind the perfect plan before he did begin. He would send his one and only son on the cross. He'd pin our every fail, regardless of how rough. We've all chosen sin many times before, but there's time to choose anew. Invite the Lord into your heart and unfasten every screw that locks out parts that you've kept from him and totally renew. This one you don't want to muff. If all we had were large white clouds and skies and blue behind, and there were no other signs of glory to remind that there is but one creator beyond the reaches of our mind, it would truly be enough. That's a beautiful poem, and I I can hear um, in your voice that um, towards the end that uh, it must have had some meaning to you. This poem reflects your life in some way. Yeah. This, This God. I mean, I look around this table and I see a young man in high school. I see a young woman who's worked at this church for as long as I've been here. And I see you as a visiting pastor just coming in, stepping in, and handling things while we're in the middle of transition. And I think God puts all these things together. And there's a reason for all of it. You know, just astounding to me. And, uh, and he's, he's so active. He's, he's not removed. He's not remote. He's not distant. And he is instructive. So, so you, you met your wife and you met God, not necessarily in that order, but in the process, your priorities, I hear you saying to me, your priorities changed. And so in the, what's God been up to in your life in the last few years? Okay, well, you, you brought the one point. And when I first, when he gave me the wife, I had this big office and I had, you know, I was, I was, I was really, really treated like I was an intellectual giant. But in truth, I knew better. One of the things I, I, I feel about humanity is the most cursed person among us is a celebrity because they don't know who they are. They think they're God and therefore they can't see God. And that was me. Well, I did look around and I said, you know what? I can't stay in Beverly Hills and be a good husband. There's too much temptation here. You know, there's too many people telling me how great I am. So I moved to Austin, Texas. <laughs> was, was it any better there? Um, not, yes, it was. It was, it was considerably better because no one knew me when I got there. Of course, it didn't take long because I was involved with some pretty good stars down there too. I was three more years in the music business. But Carol King and, and people like that were in 
I would, we were doing productions for them and whatnot. But I, I stepped away in completely and started knocking on doors, selling the product. Uh, and that was a great hu humiliation factor that was so good for me. I needed to find that. So what happened is that we met saints. And these saints lifted our vision, made us look higher, made us look deeper, made us understand more, made us love more. <laughs> it's just, God is so good, so terribly good. Uh, Right now, my, my wife, who was a hippie when I met her, and she worked for a sound and light company with rock and roll sh shows, that's how she happened to be at that particular concert, uh, is now a uh, really amazing physician. Uh, the CEOs of her, of her hospital, of her groups, uh, the other doctors and their wives. I mean, she's, she, when she graduated from, from the university, uh, which is KU, one of the top 10 medical schools, she received the L.L. Marcel Award. And that goes to the top overall graduate as determined by the professors. And so here she was almost 50 when she graduated, you know. Mm. Uh, she was actually about 47, 48, and she started practicing. When, and everyone that knows her loves her. I, I'm so glad that she works north of the river because the people north of the river don't usually come south of the river. I don't know what it is. It's like we don't, South people don't go north of the river. And so every time we run into people that she knows, it's like I have to stop everything we're doing and listen for five or 10 minutes about how wonderful she is. I had one woman actually say, you have no idea how wonderful she is. Actually, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, and then the, the joy of sharing the gospel. A lot of times people just look at you like you're totally crazed. But usually it's a, I notice more and more, it's a level of shock. Mm -hmm. um, there was a young fellow that, helped, matter of fact, you helped baptize here a couple of weeks ago that I just saw at the desk of the place where I went to the gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, he now belongs to the Lord. And, and he's, he's really moving well, by the way. Can you, can you describe the, how that relationship developed a little bit just for yes. the sake of I uh, hearing with, how you do I it? I shared Jesus with, Jesus with love. He told me about Buddha. I shared Jesus with love. He told me about Buddha. I shared Jesus with love. And then one day he calls me and says, I've decided to come back to Christ. You know, And so it was just persistence and love and Jesus. <laughs> that was the whole thing. I had a, an occasion the other day, uh, two days ago, pulled into Sprouts and as I, as I pulled in, the car directly in front of me backed down. So I pulled forward into that spot so I could just drive straight out. And an older gentleman saw me do this. And when we get inside, he says, I like the way you park. <laughs> and so I just looked at him and I said, may I ask your age? He said, yes, I'm 87. And then he offered, my wife made it to almost 86, but just before her birthday, she, I said, you lost your wife? He said, yes. How long ago? Three months. How's it going? It's hard. It's very hard. I said, may I pray for you? He said, what? I said, may I pray for you? You do that? Yes. And we prayed. And we both had tears in our eyes. We walked away, you know. Um, so as a... My sister was a great artist, a really, really excellent artist. She, she, she was also Miss San Diego, very, quite amazing person. Also very difficult to get along with. 
Our artists tend to be that way. Yes, tend to be that way. So she always said to me, you are not a businessman. I said, what are you talking about? I've started three successful businesses and four more that made money. She said, only because you're so passionate that nothing can stop you. You are an artist. Once you get to the point where you start understanding that and living like that, you're going to be a lot happier. Well, she passed away. And then I retired from starting businesses. Last one was a wine importing company. And uh, when I stopped working, I started looking around my house and thought, this could be a lot nicer. And so what, what we built there now is a cottage castle. And it's the art. And poetry starts flowing out. And uh, though I hadn't sung for many, many years, I started singing again and doing shows for, for churches and for assisted living and just enjoying that. And boy, was she right. And unfortunately, the only part, the part about being an artist is that you are insanely sensitive. And you can probably tell by the way I get caught up <laughs> and have to, have to uh, cry a little bit. The day that we, we, we really got impacted the heaviest was our first day of church. And that was in 1980. Um, it was a vineyard church out in Santa Monica, California. We walked in and we took seats in the back. I got there because a, a, a young singer invited me. And I know, no, I'm, I'm reading the Bible a little bit, but I'm not ready for that. And uh, but he said, we got great music. I said, like what? He said, well, he said, I lead the men singing. And he had a great voice. I said, well, that, that's good. He said, Debbie Boone leads the women. She had the number one record in the world then called You Light Up My Life. He said, we've got Johnny Rivers on rhythm guitar. Um, Byron, um, no, what's his name? A fellow from the Eagles is on lead guitar. We have some of the best session players in LA. I said, I'll come, I'll check that out. And we're sitting in the back and two rows ahead of us, there are nine guys in orange jumpsuit all chained together. And I'm thinking, what is this? You know, I'm coming from Beverly Hills and I'm sitting here with prisoners, right? <laughs> and I suddenly realized that there's tears rolling down these men's faces. Nothing has started yet. There's no music, you know, there's nothing going on. People are just filing in. And then I noticed that the Tears have changed to sobs. And I said, what is wrong with these people? As I realized that tears are flowing down my face. And then sobs were coming out of me. And I had to go to the bathroom and get paper towels because the snot was running down my face. The spirit of God was so strongly moving in that body. There were so many people, as I noticed, they, they were praying all around the room. And the spirit of God was there. The Holy Spirit just came in and moved a lot of people's hearts. And two days later, I'm driving down the Hollywood freeway and tears are rolling down my cheeks again. I said, okay, God, you've got me, but I don't know how you're going to change me. Well, he did. <laughs> so, uh, Chet, it sounds like you've had a... Um, uh, full and active life, both before you were brought to that place where you recognized you needed something more, which was Jesus. And now um, the latter part of your life has been filled with Jesus and a loving wife and opportunity to share your faith. Um, what do you think God has in store for you now for the, for the time ahead? That is a great question, Pastor, because I don't know exactly, but as I told Janie the other day, I am just waiting to serve. I'm just looking for every opportunity. And if anybody even mentions an opportunity, I tend to leap at it, you know? So that is, that's, that's where my heart is right now. Um, 
these some of these poems. There's I'd like to read one more if I could. Please. I think it's this one. Yeah, this one. And the, and these poems, by the way, I don't sit down and carefully craft them. They I just sit down and they come out. So I'm not a poet. I'm a stenographer. And I like to make that clear. Thank you. Mankind thanks you for coming from there to here. There you had power mankind cannot imagine nor fathom. There you had freedom beyond the scope of what we can dream. There is beauty to such a degree that we cannot begin to grasp. There was your father whom you love and he loves you. The same heavenly father who loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son, you, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You are willing to leave that father to save us from our sins. Here, you gave up everything there to come here. You went through the birth canal, just like every one of us. You started as a baby in a poor family, grew up in the neighborhood. You made a living with your hands. Thank you for being someone that any of us can recognize and identify with. You could do anything as you later demonstrated, but except for that time in the temple when you were 12 and correctly interpreted the scriptures for the priest, there's no evidence that prior to your ministry, you ever showed off. Not your power, not your wisdom, let alone your glory. You bore the burden of our unholiness for over 30 years while here and for eternity before and after. You walked among us, you fed us, you healed us, you raised from the dead. Most important, you taught us your word. After doing all that, you were faithful to the will of your father and you let <laughs> us inferior beings bruise, abuse, and kill you on a cross. Why? It was by giving your own sinless life it was by your blood that our sins can be forgiven as far as the East is to the West. We inadequately say, thank you. Chad, thank you. Thank you for um, spending this time with us in our a podcast that we call our stories and I think this has been a really wonderful time for for us to get to know you and how God's been at work in your life and if uh, you've been listening to this podcast and you have a story to tell um, we would love to know about that story so please don't hesitate to call us up here at Hillcrest Covenant Church uh, and let us know so we can uh, uh, speak to you just like we have with uh, Chet. Thank you for joining us for our stories here at Hillcrest Covenant Church. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome.